Welcome to the Shady Grove Radio Podcast, a production of Shady Grove United Methodist Church in Mechanicsville, Virginia. Turn your radio on, turn your radio on, and listen to the music in the air. Turn your radio on, turn your radio on, and glory This week we'll hear a sermon from Pastor Darcy entitled, At the Water's Edge, Cleansing, based on Psalm 51, 1 through 12. Turn your radio on. Good morning, I'm Terry York, and I'm going to be reading from the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible this morning. The the scripture comes from Psalm 51, verses 1 through 12. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my inequity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you alone, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified in your sentence and blameless when you pass judgment. Indeed, I was born guilty, a sinner when my mother conceived me. You desire truth in the inward being. Therefore, teach me wisdom in my secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my inequities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain in me a willing spirit. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, what is going on in Psalm 51? Amen. Let's take a dive into God's word and let's listen. Let us pray. God, we want to thank you for your word. It is a living word, and we are grateful that um, your Holy Spirit is the great interpreter. And so as we engage with scripture, uh, you make connections in our lives that move us forward in faith, um, that connect us to the power of your forgiveness, um, that show us the truth of our lives and the truth of your love. And so God, come Holy Spirit into this offering Uh, May it be pleasing in your sight, and may we all uh, walk away hearing the message that you hold for us this morning. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, we are beginning a new worship series today. Um, For the next three summer Sundays, we are going to be going to the water's edge. How does that sound to folks? Sound good? Um, um, This worship series is called At the Water's Edge. We're going to be looking at how all throughout scripture, um, water is used as a symbol and as a means to communicate gospel truths. Because it is the season for water. 
Um, and I hope that all of you, if you have not already, you have plans um, to go to the water's edge this summertime. Um, perhaps you're going to be tucking your feet into the sand and riding the waves at the beach. Uh, maybe you're more of a bait your hook, go to your favorite fishing spot and wait for the, for the tug and the reel. Uh, maybe you're more of a lake person or river, um, tubing, boating, just, you know, being there. Uh, maybe you're like, no, thank you, a pool. That sounds, that sounds great to me. Um, so in fact, let's just take an informal poll, shall we? All right. How many of y'all are beach people? Let's see it. All right, you can use two hands. Okay, so one hand, one hand. You're like, I want to emphasize I'm a beach person. So, um, so how about lake? Lake, you're more of a lake? Okay, river, right? All right, um, how about pool? Yeah, anyone? Okay, oh yeah, all right. <laughs> I see, I see y'all. Um, there's always somebody here in the mix who's like, I'm really a mountain person who wants access to a hot tub, right? You're like, I really, I don't really want any of that. Well, wherever you're gonna go, uh, wear your sunscreen. Um, but all throughout scripture, there are people who are meeting God um, at the water's edge because biblically water is this symbol of um, gospel and profound spiritual truths. It's a, it's a symbol, um, it, it is a conduit by which God communicates some of God's truths. Just think about it for a moment. Um, water is God's provision to us. Think about the Israelites who are in the wilderness wondering where their next meal, their next drink is gonna come from and Moses takes the staff and hits the rock and what comes out, right? Life-giving water. Think about Jesus meeting the woman at the well how she's coming there at high noon, it is hot, she is alone, she is isolated, um, she is disconnected from community, and what does Jesus say to her? I'm gonna give you living water, and when I give you this water, you will never thirst again. I'm gonna quench your soul's thirst. But also in scripture, water holds an edge, and that it can also symbolize or signify um, uncertainty, chaos, even danger. Think about uh, deep waters. Think about rising tides, monsters of the deep. Um, think about large waves. Or in the gospel readings, when the disciples are out on the Sea of Galilee and what gets whipped up, but an unexpected storm, and it, it casts them into fear. Right? That's why in Scripture, where, where it says that God created the waters and that Jesus could command the wind and the waves. That's, a, again, a powerful symbol of God's sovereignty, of God's power. Well, today we're going to begin our, our worship series in the deep end, right? We're not going to just dip our toe in and feel the water. We're going to dive right in because you're Shady Grove United Methodist Church and you can handle it, right? Um, so we are gonna, we're going to jump right in. We're going to consider the forgiving and the cleansing power of God seen in the, the sacrifice and the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the cleansing power of God that can make our souls clean again. We're gonna look at God's cleansing power, God's response of grace to our sin and shortcomings. Today, we are gonna consider Psalm 51. Now, Psalm 51 is a prayer written because of a deep water situation that happened to a real life person. This person is treading water really fast and quickly and barely keeping their head above the waves. This is a psalm that was written because a person had made a mess of things in their life. And that person is David. 
You, you remember David, right? The great King David, he was the king of Judah, the southern kingdom, and then he united the two kingdoms of Israel and he ruled um, there from Jerusalem. So he's known as really one of the greatest kings within the scriptural offerings of kings. His lineage, um, is Jesus's lineage is traced back to David. Um, but the great king also made some great personal mistakes and missteps. Yes, some of the actions of King David would have kept the news cycles buzzing for months and months. So let me refresh your memory and let's look at the backstory of Psalm 51. What were the actions and the decisions that David made that led to the writing of Psalm 51. Are you ready for the backstory? All right, here it goes. If you wanna cross-reference this account, you can look at 2 Samuel chapter 11. So the year is about 1000 BC. King David is at the height of his power. He just returned from battle, leading his army, and he was successful. And then at the beginning of chapter 11, it says something interesting. It says, now it was springtime, the season that kings go out to battle. However, instead of King David going out to lead, he chose to remain in Jerusalem. Now this was his first misstep. You ever notice how the messes we make, they don't start out large and involved and complicated. They start with a few small decisions that become a trajectory, that become a path, that become a rut. I mean, a snowball really does begin with one flake, amen? amen. The sins that will snowball for David um, began when he abdicated this responsibility. So at this point, it wasn't what David had done. It was, it was what David had left undone. So into this decision, chapter 11, verse two, um, it says this, one late afternoon, David rose from his couch and began walking around on the roof. So just a snapshot, what is the king doing while the nation is off fighting? He's napping, <laughs> he's, naps are in their right place are good things, right? But he's napping, he's taking a stroll. Quite frankly, I think David sounds a little bit bored. Um, you know, in our household, when our older daughters were growing up, if they ever said to us, I'm so bored, we just always, my husband and I would say, boredom is a choice, right? You can go, go find something interesting or purposeful or meaningful to do. Well, into this unnecessary idle time, King David looks out over his kingdom, and a few houses over, there is a woman bathing on the roof, and she's beautiful. Now, King David is no longer bored, amen? Uh, yeah, his, he, he's no longer bored, and he sends a servant out um, to find out who she is. And who is she? If you might know, her name is Bathsheba, and she is the wife of Uriah the Hittite. But then David takes it a step further. He sends for her, and after a few glasses of wine, they got to know each other. Now pause the story to recognize that there were several moral jumping off places that David could have taken, all right? First, fulfilling his duty, and thus he wouldn't even be in that space to begin with. Um, secondly, averting his eyes. Thirdly, not finding out her name. And fourthly, and particularly after finding out that she was married and he was attracted to her, never making plans to be alone in her company. 
You know, God into our lives as well, very maybe perhaps different scenarios, but God also gives us jumping off points when we are in the midst of making decisions that can take us down particular paths. God will give us nudges, conscience twinges, teachings we may hear, conversations we may have, scriptures that come back to mind. There are times when God into our spirits, when we are making decisions or considering certain actions, God says into our spirits, um, do not walk from the situation, run. (laughs) Choose, Choose differently. Don't reach out to them in social media, maybe the message comes, or maybe it's you don't have to join in to that group text where someone is being disparaged. Or maybe it's the question of, where is all of this anger coming from in my life? Or maybe it's, is this habit becoming harmful in my life? You know, God does set off these, these nudges, these bells and alarms and whistles Do we hear them, and then do we heed them? You know, David ignored these warning signs, and the outcome of his actions um, hit him in full force when a couple weeks later, Bathsheba sends him a note that says, I'm pregnant. Let's all say together, mercy, right? Amen. So then David enters into this elaborate plot, um, fully misusing his power to try to cover up that ultimately results in Uriah, the Hittite, um, Bathsheba's faithful husband being killed because David intentionally sends him into the fiercest fighting in the battle. Now, David may have had a few twinges of guilt along the way. Um, He may have felt, you know, some disconnect within his spirit, but I think in day-to-day, he seemed to be doing pretty well until the prophet Nathan catches up with him. Knowing that what David had done had displeased God, and the scripture says that God was not pleased, um, Nathan did the worst part of any prophet's job. (laughs) He went to confront David, but he did it in a really interesting way. He told David a parable, and he allowed David to overhear the injustices that he had done, but in someone else's life. And then Nathan looks to David and says, you you are the man, you did the same thing. You who have everything, you took everything away from Uriah. You know, as I was, someone was, I was talking with someone as we were walking out of the 815 service and someone said, you know, Nathan really was acting as a friend to David, right? And I I do hope and pray we all have Nathans in our lives, people who can speak into our lives in a way that we can hear um, when we need to see the truth. Um, Because those are very special and particular God-given people. But that's a whole other sermon. So back back to David and Nathan. So Psalm 51 was written to commemorate what David experienced just after he knew and saw the truth of what he had done. In the words of Psalm 51, it describes what happened when David did two things. The first is that he saw his actions and decisions from God's perspective. And secondly, he saw what God could do even in the mess that he made. 
So after he saw what he had done and the choices he made from God's worldview, that's where the psalmist and that's where David says, have mercy on me, O God. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. I need to come to the water's edge of forgiveness. I need to be honest before you and before myself of what I've done. So what changed in David was that he saw what he had done through God's eyes. And his justifications and his rationalizations came crashing down. They, they melted away. And he remembered that when he signed on to be a God follower, that he would be, right, David is often described as a man after God's own heart. And he realized that he had taken a detour and allowed his heart to lead him in other directions that did not honor God. You know, it's, it's true that when we seek to follow God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength, um, we do seek God's desires rather than merely our own. Now, there, are, there will be times in our lives where there's no difference, right? With what, what, what we hope for and what we desire, it honors God and God blesses it. But there are times where we have to make a choice between what we desire or want um, and the ways in which we believe God is leading us. I remember one time, I was driving a 15-passenger van full of high school students. Um, and this was many, many moons ago. And you know, often when you're with a group of high school students, of, of um, teenagers, and you're doing something utilitarian, like driving, the van, they forget that you're there, right? They like forget that an adult is even on premises. And then they just talk as if, you know, there's no adults around. So I was overhearing the conversation and one of the students said, yeah, we had that big test on Wednesday and some friends gave me the essay questions. And so, yeah, I knew them beforehand and you know, I, I passed it right along to a, a bunch of friends. And so they knew it when they rolled up to the test and and I was about to jump in and be all sorts of adult all over them, right? What? What are you talking about? Um, but an, I just, I waited and another student spoke up and said, um, you know that's cheating, right? And they were like, well, I mean, they gave it to me. They were just sharing the, the questions. It's not like they gave me the answers. And they said, yeah, but like you walked into that test experience with an advantage. Yeah, but I passed it along to other people. <laughs> yeah, I passed the goodness along. And the, and the student said, yeah, but, but that's cheating. And they just sort of went back and forth and were talking about it. And I thought about this conversation and I think about how even in my own life, we can rationalize all sorts of actions and behaviors. Um, I mean, bless King David, right? Because we're taking a microscope back over his decision-making, and I'm sort of thankful nobody's doing that for me this morning, right? But you know, if we start to see our lives, our choices, and our decisions in light of how we believe God wants us to live, we see things differently. And you know, God, it's not that God just wants us to check every single moral box so that we can be perfect. It's because the ways that God gives us to live are the ways that lead to life and not destruction. It's out of God's love for us that God gives us the way. But secondly, just as seeing his situation from God's perspective brought a breaking down, it was only um, through God that, that David could be built back up. David realized it was only 
By coming clean, could he be made clean? It was only by seeing the dirt did he realize that he needed a thorough, soulful washing. And so David, in the latter part of the psalm, he shifts and he says, God, create in me a clean heart, O God. Put a new and a right spirit within me. Um, the word create in the psalm here, in the original Hebrew in which the psalm was written, it's the same word create found in Genesis 1 when God created ex nihilo out of nothing all of creation. And so David is saying, look, God, I followed my plans and my desires in this situation and it has led me to feel like nothing. And so I need you. I need your mercy and forgiveness to build me back up. You know, I remember when I came to faith and I shared last week that I did come to faith through a rather dramatic uh, experience, conversion experience, just the way God, choose to, to, uh, God chose to deal with me at the time. Um, but I simultaneously recognized how sinful I was. I was like, oh, this is how God wants me to live. Oh, I have not been doing that. <laughs> but also, also right on the other hand, was this profound sense of God's mercy and grace that would love me to life through it all. It was like finding out that I was deathly ill on one hand and had a life-giving cure in the other. And I think if we can hold that before us, that we are utterly dependent on God and we can look to God for that forgiveness and that sustenance, that's what living in grace means every day. So can you see why David was treading water in Psalm 51? Can you see what was the backstory, what was going on? He swam in some deep waters and he knew the only one who could throw him that life preserver was God. So I, I don't know how far each of us have swam into those waters or swimming in those waters and it may never reach the threshold that David experienced in the scriptural account. But I do know that each of us, every day we face temptations. Every day we have choices about are we gonna follow God's ways are the ways of the world. Um, every day we have a choice, are we going to seek to have the mind of Christ or are we not going to mind at all? Every day we have the choice to see ourselves through God's eyes and together with David, with the psalmist, to say, God, create in me a clean heart. Put a new and a right spirit within me. Because you know, this, this story, this account, it has so much grace in it. Because even with the decisions that David made, even the consequences that God did allow to occur in David's life, God did not leave him. Uh, God had mercy on David, and, and God did indeed build him up and continued to use him as a leader and as a man of God. Because he went to the waters, to the cleansing and forgiving waters that only God can give. This is the power of coming to the water's edge of mercy and grace. Heaven down in your soul. Get in touch with God. And turn your radio on. Turn your radio on. Well, turn your radio on. And listen to the music in the air. Turn your radio on. Turn your radio on. Let glory share. Turn your lights down. Turn your lights down. And listen to the master's radio. Get in touch with God.